This time on No Not The Mind Probe, episode number 91, Honor Among Thieves. Welcome to Psst, No, not the mind, bro. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. A, hey, hey. I'm, 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 I'm doing a little sneaky. I like, think a thief, like a thief, sure. like a thief. Sure. I'm being like a, like, thief. A thief. <laughs> like a thief. And I'm being sneaky and telling you this is no, not the mind, bro. Which is reflective of our uh, promotional uh, <laughs> yeah, efforts in general. Say, yes. Try to keep it as quiet as possible. Yeah, that we have a podcast. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Don't we're tell a podcast. We're not showy, yeah. okay? We're not like trying putting on airs. All right, we are, I guarantee you will not be entertained by this podcast. That is the we're mind just, probe promise. We're just a work a day <laughs> podcast, right? We're just churning these out, just pumping them out, pumping out this podcast. We said it. Uh, this is a podcast uh, where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever, or at least we we talk about. We don't actually watch them on the pod. We we watch them before. Yeah, uh, and then we talk about them, uh, and then we rank them, and we should, you probably a bit of clarity uh, in episode ninety two. If you have one ninety one, if you haven't picked that up yet, that's what yeah. it is. Also, if you haven't picked it up, my name is John, uh, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who. Uh, I've been watching it for, and you know what? We've just rolled over the clock, rolling yep. over, folks. I've been watching it for thirty nine years, which is amazing because I'm thirty two. <laughs> yeah, the odometer rolled over there. Yeah, we just roll right. over. Here we go. Uh, my name. Yeah. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Porter Mason. Uh, John there has mm-hmm. been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 27 years. A few years ago, I finally said yes. In the okay. depths of the pandemic, I finally submitted. <laughs> when, when life was, as you were at your lowest point. <laughs> Uh, each episode, we look at yeah. two Doctor Who stories. We are going through the newer mm-hmm. series order. And then D- John acts as our Doctor Who sommelier and pairs the new story with a classic story. John, what do we have in store for, for today? Well, it's cons, heists, swindles, robberies, things. Um, sort of ended it, then sort of fizzled schemes. out there in my list. Yeah, schemes, schemes. There's probably some clever word. In Aaron Sorkin would know what to say here because he likes lists of words. But whatever they are, we're talking about them. <laughs> That's our linking theme. This was a reasonably uh, easy one to come up with. So we're uh, moving on in the Capaldi years, uh, the Twelfth Doctor uh, and Clara, uh, and we have them attempting to rob a bank uh, in the aptly named Time Heist. Kind of like a break-in or a, a break caper. In. Yeah, a little caper, a, a little scheme. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. A crime, a pilferage, uh, a theft, Ooh, a hold Someone up, got the source.com on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old five-finger discount. <laughs> and we have paired that with uh, um, a classic who, uh, with uh, Tom Baker, uh, the fourth doctor, Kicking off, kicking off the key to time season. We've already seen a couple of those. We'll talk about that uh, in the uh, in the episode here. Uh, with uh, meeting uh, Romana or the first Romana uh, for the first time, and there's a little bit of canine. Got some canine action in there, so I know you were excited uh, as uh, as they untangle the connivings uh, of the Rebos operation. 
All right, so we're going to recap these episodes. We're going to start with Time Heist, which is episode number... Oh, no, this is all weird looking. I'm sorry. It is episode number... Wait for it. It will come. Episode number. This whole website has been rearranged. <laughs> five, John. Five, yeah, I think it's five. Oh, in, okay, uh, I'm not going to even breath, go by we, this. Uh, we deep breath. We had Look. something else. And then another it's one. Series eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and and look, it's series eight. Look, it's Peter Capaldi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know this much. <laughs> and it aired uh, on the 20th of September, 2014. It's a yeah, standard 45 minute episode. I can't tell you what number story it is because my website has fallen apart. Uh-oh. Uh, I apologize about that. I will get on that. The internet. In the meantime, hmm. uh, why don't we listen to a clip from Time Heist yeah. that John just has. Just tickle your earbuds. And it's coming up. Hmm. You're killing her. You just said fired. I put all of the used clones into the incinerator. Can't have too many of moi scattered around. So you don't get on with your own clone? She hates her own clones. She burns her own clones. Frankly, you're a career break for the right therapist. Shut up. Everybody, just, just shut up. And what is this display now as amusing as you are? Shut up, just shut up, shut up, shut up, shut it up, up, up. What, what did you say? What did, what did you say? What did you say about your own eyes? De shut up. Say it again. <laughs> How can you trust someone if they look back at you out of your own eyes? I know one thing about the architect. What is it that I know about the architect? I know one thing, something that I've known from the very start. What? I hate him. He's overbearing. He's manipulative. He likes to think that he's very clever. I hate him! Clara, don't you see? I hate the architect. Revelation. That was a good. We haven't had as many of these yet, right? We used to basically once every two, three episode, a big Matt Smith speech. Yeah. That was a good, nice, big Peter Capaldi. It was good. And it was a it was a reference to think of it. One of his and I won't repeat it so that we don't we don't want to get our E uh, line. But (laughs) the shut it up up. He is a profanity. He uses a profanity. The uh, I believe the F word similar cadence uh, uh as to that so i think that was a reference to malcolm tuff i love the d shut up d shut up you d shut up yeah yeah i think uh well we'll talk about this Capaldi kind of coming into the character a little bit more here i think yeah and a cool plot stands on its own it doesn't i don't think it's fitting into anything that we've seen yeah, no to date. i don't know if it comes back again but it was just sort of on its own and we're dropped right in the middle of it so we're kind of in media res here <clears throat> And uh, yeah, so basically we find out a little bit of this in retrospect. As you just heard, there's a big revelation right at that moment. That's about like close to the end, maybe. Mm -hmm. Oh, near the end almost? I think so. Yeah, that's when they've gotten into the vault uh, and they found the the clone or the original, I guess, of the Miss. But we start right off with the doctor and Clara and two other fine fellows. uh, A young woman who can become any person. She she sort of has a mute. She's a mutant uh, who can do that. And then we have a cyber-enhanced human, kind of like an android, I guess, right? Cyborg, yeah. Yeah, cyborg. And we find, and who is a bank robber Mm. and has has done this before. They find out that they get a message saying, you're in the middle of, or you're outside the toughest bank in the universe, and you need to rob it right now. And 
people are coming to get you right now. So you need to move. And then they're spending the first, yeah, half, I'd say half to three quarters of the episode trying to figure out where, why are we doing this? Where are we? Like, we know we need to do it because otherwise we'll die and a bunch of people will die, but they're sort of trying to piece it together in retrospect. So there's a lot of clever writing here, I think, to to set that up and, and to pay that off. We find out, again, that she is a shapeshifter, and that's her kind of, yeah, well, actually not kind of mutant power. She said she's a mutant. Yeah. And they walk into the vault, and then, and then we, see, sorry, walk into the lobby of the bank, and what we see uh, when they walk into the lobby, they see someone else zoomed in, alarm goes off and zoomed in on, and we see this person saying, oh, you have admitted guilt or we smell guilt on you essentially yeah, like a psychic or telepathic like thing can tell you're guilty that you're doing you yeah and they come in yeah and they smell this on this guy and they, and they bring in this the scary animal the teller right with who looks kind of like a he has like a slug eyes he going on eye. he's kind of cute actually it's grotesque but i don't think he's scary Very i think cute. he's cute Let's just say, I mean, I'll put it this way. He's John's type. Like, yeah. if, if you know, like, who John goes for, like, yeah. this is straight up John's yeah. I mean, definitely. Right there. Big orange suit. Hand, <laughs> handcuffs. It's Mind all there. Turn your brain into goo. I yeah. mean, just. Yeah. No. Just straight out of the playbook. Just, yep. So, um, okay. So then they realize that not only that, like, they have to control their thoughts even as they're doing this. Uh, they do realize that is why this is done this way. They said, oh, our memories were wiped for this reason. We don't know what we're doing. Like, we don't know exactly what we're doing. And that's why we're able to get through these systems. We find out that she changes her identity into someone who has some key to some vault. That's how they get in. And then he's able to hack into certain computer systems later. So they're sort of put together to serve their part. And then she, unfortunately, is going to be killed by the teller in the, as, as they're going around in here. <laughs> and we find that they've been given essentially the equivalent of, you know, Doctor Who cyanide pills to yep. destroy yourself before being destroyed by the teller, which we, we've seen is like it's a pretty grim fate. You're not totally dead. You're just your brain is mush and you're just sitting in a cell yep. rotting away. Kind you're of dead. I, It was a weird effect of their head melted in basically yeah. because that's what, if your brain melts, I guess your skull also. It's just sort of, that's right. Your I'm brain understanding how our skulls work. But that's <laughs> right. Your brain actually just has an exoskeleton on it. And so when it gets <laughs> turn some mush you're just you just caves in like that <laughs> yeah and then the the cybernetic guy kind of similar deal he 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 goes to distract the teller's actually close to clara and he goes mm -hmm. to distract it and he gets killed uh, we finally get to the vault and we see the head of security in the vault it seems like where, where they're trying wow. to steal but what turns out is that she has actually cloned herself uh and that's who the head of security is so she's down in down here in her vault. What is she holding? What God, I don't even remember what was in the vault. What, what what are they getting from the vault? I don't even remember now at the end. She had a whole bunch of treasures and things, Of course, yeah. Right. And then also but, remember there was another the tellers mate. Oh sorry, they were given right, right, right. Sorry. So when they get back there, they find two things. They find mm. sort of the cure she was saying the woman who uh, becomes other people saying, I can never get close to anyone because as soon as I touch anyone, I become them. Well, she's given a, a, a cure for that. <clears throat> uh, and by the way, because we find out it, we think they're zapped away, but actually they were just teleported <laughs> away and brought back. Yeah. The cybernetic guy is given... I his memory back. something so he, he he somehow oh, he wipes his memory yeah, he time, wiped his memory for some reason to protect his loved ones or something but that means he obviously can't remember right. any of his loved ones uh, and he says and, like i must have loved them because yeah. it's a terrible fate you know yeah 
So very he sad. gets that back. And it's for very the Russell doctor? T Davies, uh, uh, I thought, element of like these characters very quickly, a couple of lines gives them a backstory, makes you sympathetic to them. I, I thought they were, you know, on that point, it was well done and very RTD. Like, you know, he's very good at that, right? Like, let's just write. I'll give you a couple of lines of dialogue and suddenly you care about these people and then I'll kill them. Uh, <laughs> but, but what was so okay let's get the, yeah. to the final part okay yeah. i don't remember if there's anything there for the doctor I, I don't think so but the doctor pieces together i'm sorry if we didn't say this already he, he he's the architect he's yeah. he planned this you know and... not particularly shocking twist uh, <laughs> right <laughs> so what we find out is that she he says here call me later when you need me calls back later and what we ultimately find is that what's in the vault is the other teller species so yep. he's able to reunite them and then so transport the last them of their species. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And transport them to the planet. And so that's what happens. Mm-hmm. So I guess that doesn't get all wrapped up in the time. And, and, but is that the only thing that's there for the doctor and Clara? I'm like, am I forgetting something? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think so. that's it. So I think he would so, just, he'd just be in it. He wouldn't be in it for anything, right? He'd just be in it for, to do that. To do well, nice so thing. anyway, yeah. so, so there's a timey wimey thing going on here, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. because, He's called here to set this up, but he's called here by her later, but he only gives her the number when he's in the vault doing right. this. So how did it all begin? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, again, that's that's just how Boot it goes. Paradox, right? Yeah. But uh, so here's what I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed this. This is my favorite so far of the Peter Capaldi era. I think I ranked it as such. Well, I guess we'll find out. I'll find out my own exciting ranking. But I thought it was a clever plot. It did. It, it stood on its own. I did think that they wanted me to care more about the the woman and the man who they met up with. So that was like this big. And they wanted me to believe that Clara's like, no, my God, size. I was the cyborg. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, God, size, dead. It's like you you just met him. I believe that you're upset. But it, they're making it seem like there's this huge connection. And like, oh, my God, the, the, these people, these members of our team right. were they killed. It's like your team so started five minutes ago in, in your memory. I mean, like you just, you know, your memories were wiped. So I thought that was like kind of pushing it a little, but I did love the little, the, yeah, impossible to explain, explain time part of it, but I, I thought it was clever. It was nice. I didn't think it was my favorite episode ever, but I thought it was like, oh, okay. And again, the the speech you excerpted, uh, I thought we had a, some nice Capaldi moment. Like, yeah. It was like, I'm starting to see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is his doctor. Okay, I'm seeing it more. I like I like that we've learned about you that if you were say on a bus full of people or something and they started getting picked like, off by a monster eh, or something, like, you'd be like, oh, well. eh, I don't <laughs> know only, him. I only I just know. met you as they're being dragged out. You're like, I only just met you. I'm not that I attached. Just, <laughs> I can't explain it. I, I can't explain it. I, I just somehow that some of that just like they they push it a little right. and they're they're wanting me to feel a certain way and I think I fold my arms and I'm like nah, I'm not no, gonna kill no. sorry. Well, no, I think that reflects it. It's a rushed episode a little bit. I I, I liked it too. It's a fun standalone. But and I do think I it's a bit rushed. I do agree that it felt rushed. At the same time, then thinking about it, I'm like, well, would I have wanted it to be an hour and a half? I'm like, not really. Like I, no, two I think, and a half at least. <laughs> yeah, you love a lot. I think it just could have been written in such a way that this 45 minutes could have hung together a little better and but yes, it feels a little like we're just moving so quickly through and some things feel a little unfinished or there's fraying around the edges. Well, I think I think part of it is it it it, it sells itself as a heist story uh subtly right. 
uh, through the name uh, heist. And I think, you know, the, one of the patterns of a good heist movie is the plan. You get the yeah, plan. Yeah, right. And then you go yep. through that. Uh, and then you see them try to execute the plan and then it goes wrong. And how do they get back onto the, and like that. And, you, and because of this, you, you go through, have you have scenes, right? The plan is like literally a montage. You need the yeah. montage of the plan. Half the movie. Then you need to get to know the characters be like, this is why this person's in it. And right. maybe that's part of it is that like, I felt like that was just given such short shrift, but we were supposed to really be like, oh, I really want him to be able, but I actually, first of all, don't know what he wants. And then right. second, when she gets the thing, it was like, she had one line where she was like, I can never be close to anyone. It's like, oh, okay. I, I mean, I believe yeah. you. <laughs> but just, it didn't, I didn't feel Sounds brought good. in by it as much, yeah. as much as I thought there were good ideas. It wasn't like. No. You're like, is this some sort of incel thing? Is that what we got going on? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Skeptical. also, you know, it's, I think uh, if you don't have the plan, then just, and it feels like it, then they're just winging it, right? They're just like, oh, we go down to a quarter and there's a thing and we open the thing. And I guess, and it was like a complicated lock on the safe and like uh, um, you sort of, that sort of created some suspense. I think... Um, Which they were doing in reverse. I mean, what would yeah. have been interesting is to have the moment of the plan montage after the fact. That would have been right. kind of cool. Here's what we were supposed to do. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Uh, I also think uh, I got to shout out the um, uh, the giant ventilation ducts. For some, I don't know, like... Yes. They're huge. Like, not even yes. trying. They're just like, <laughs> you could just crouch down and five <laughs> people through them. It's like, you know, hey, if you're going to have them a... In, I thought that because when they kicked them in with their feet and came in... There was no crampedness at all. Yeah, they were no, just like, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting for a bank that's supposedly impregnable. Uh, this is by Stephen Thompson, or Steve Thompson and uh, Stephen Moffat. This is, so he also wrote uh, Curse of the Black Spot, which is the pirate one with uh, um, uh, Amy and Rory. Uh, I'm my favorite. And Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, uh, which is the Master of the Clara one. So both of them disappointing in the same way <laughs> to the extent that these are disappointing uh, in other words both were fun but ultimately didn't quite gel together the teller is an interesting monster but has no dialogue so it's like you, you can kind of be sympathetic to its brain meltingness you have keely hawes who is uh miss delf del fox the and madame carabraxis the the clone person she apparently is well known from shows like uh line of duty which is a big british uh, cop show and stuff I'm, i didn't really recognize her uh and yeah i think you have a i think you're right i think you have a much more assured peter capaldi here uh which is great yeah, um, but uh, you uh, um, uh, and yeah, he's clearly cutting into the character and stuff like that. Uh, you have the segment of Matt Smith is, I think, touched on this too, and I think that the um, the one with the um, the dream lord or whatever the hell he was from uh, uh, the the. But oh, I hate myself. Who would I hate the most in the universe? That's probably me. Uh, <laughs> it's just like right, right. Uh, all right. Stephen Moffat seems to really want to land this that like, ah, that doctor can't stand himself. And it's like, eh, OK, but uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm on it. This seems I mean, very Aaron Sorkin-esque. <laughs> I mean, I can buy it just from the sense of that's the person who he's, he's around the most. I'm sure he find, does find the most flaws in himself. He also has a huge ego. So like he True. loves himself. But also, by the way, at the beginning, forgot to mention the nice little opening to this was he's 
he's pulling Clara away from Danny. Yes. And and like we're starting to finally see more of Clara's actual life. Yeah. And that's <laughs> in, like. in the next episode too. Yeah. And yeah, right. And and so and and she's starting a relationship with Danny Pink, who we met a few episodes ago, and is getting taken away from this. And I think the way it's done is clever. It's like, I'm just like, there's no harm in just picking up the phone. And then when he literally touches the phone, they blank out and are in the middle of the capers. I thought that was a nice quick touch to that to, to show that like the doctor is affecting her life in this way. We're finally seeing this that like, hey, she has this life. She's apparently now a teacher and not a nanny and is dating this other teacher. And that is kind of coming into play with. Yeah. Yeah, with the doctor. And another good antics. another good interaction between them that we like before of him sort of saying like, Oh, I guess you're not going out. You haven't put your makeup on. And she's like, I am yes. wearing makeup. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And then, for some reason, nothing is funnier to me than Peter Capaldi just like trying to talk about about Jenna Coleman as like just a completely like bland, like <laughs> Slubby. handsome woman like yeah, yeah. like oh god <laughs> I just love it that, that he's so turned off by her or is he but i mean Ooh, he, who yeah. knows yeah all right well why don't we move on to our classic episode yes. and what happened was by the way i'm gonna fill you in about what happened before we went to that little clip hmm. i usually pull, pull up, back the curtain pull back the curtain on the, on the i usually podcast. pull up a couple web pages as we're doing this episode I pull up wikipedia for the given episode i also pull up from fandom.com, the tardis.fandom.com, which is a pretty good wiki specific to Doctor Who. Right, right. Well, instead, I had pulled up the IMDb page. Oh, Porter. And what I thought in my horror, I was like, oh, God, the Doctor Who wiki is re- is redesigned and I can't find any information. And in fact, what it is, is I pulled up IMDb, which indeed has no information on it. Mm, pointless. So th- pointless. that's my sick burn to IMDb. <laughs> oh, there on. goes our sponsorship. <laughs> the Ribos operation. Rebos. Season the 16. Rebos operation. Rebos. Story mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Romana, Mark mm-hmm. one. Canine, mm-hmm. Mark two. Mm. And uh, the Doctor, Mark four. Yeah. And... We have uh, this aired the second to the twenty third of nineteen seventy eight. So, oh gosh, these aired almost right at the same time of year. Four twenty five minute episodes, and uh, that's all you need to know about it. All right, let's play this clip. <laughs> Ask no more questions. Bibles. <laughs> Let me see that. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Why did you do it? Uh, I was afraid Unstoff might give our position away. Unstoff. Yeah, junior employee. Well, with an open, honest face. Oh, yes, of course, you've seen him. Yes, I nearly bumped into him in the reticle. He's very light on his feet, isn't he? There, that should stop the bleeding. Oh, thank you very much. You're very kind. If you like, I'll tell the Graf that you weren't part of my team. He won't believe me, of course. No, there's not much point in telling him, is there? Quite. It's ironic, isn't it? What's ironic? You just made a competent arrest. I do admire professionalism, especially in the opposition. <laughs> now nobody level here of it. We'll all die together. Is that supposed to be comforting? There's no comfort in dying. I've always said it was the last thing I want to do. Why are you so sure the Graf will kill us? Who is he anyway? He's a cold-blooded maniac. He likes killing people. Then wasn't a little foolhardy trying to sell him a non-existent mine? Mine? Yes, mine. That's your game, isn't it? Mines. If mine's mines, what's yours? (laughs) (laughs) That's the love love. The wonderful Garen. Yes. All right. So <coughs> at the beginning of the story, we hear about a bunch of stuff that is completely ignored for most of the rest of the story. But you can <laughs> tell me about it later. Someone, the White Guardian, is, yeah. is that a Time Lord? 
Well, he's a guardian. The guardian of, of light and time uh, is, is uh, yeah, that's all we know about it. I, I, in okay. in the in the, if we were watching this in order, we would know as much as you do. This is the first time okay. the characters appeared. Well, he's telling the doctor, you have to <laughs> go and play essentially a video game fetch quest. Of, mm-hmm. There are six magical time keys mm-hmm. hidden around Mario Land. Each One level. is in a desert yeah. planet. One is in an ice planet. Is it good? And uh, you, you got to go find the segments of the key to, to time. And you get a time lady <laughs> to go with you. This is uh, Romano, whose actual name is Romanad Vratrelundar. Romanad Vratrelundar, yes. Yeah. And uh, the doctor calls him Romana. They they try to set up a little like Tracy and Hepburn repartee between the two of them. I don't know. Uh, this Romana doesn't quite work for me in that sense. She's kind of an fine. ice queen, right? She's kind of got that. that cool. She's right. She, it's meant to be. She's much younger than him, uh, mm-hmm. and you know he's the more experienced traveler. So she's sort of supposed to be the the you know the, the sophisticated lady who's never left. The house, uh, I guess. But who's sort of like a bit of a, not not a know-it-all, but like she's young. So she's yeah. like, um, I know how we do this. And then he's sort of trying to be the, but I've been out here doing it. Right. So I have more life experience. This is what the it's universe fine. is fine. Really. It just doesn't like their chemistry doesn't crackle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's just like uh, not there. Nothing against necessarily either one of them. They're warned also that the Black Guardian is looking for these segments. Mm-hmm. Who I don't believe comes up in the story right no no we don't see okay. the black guardian making sure i didn't miss anything well, that's uh, but fine. you met him so oh he's in another story you I saw guess, him in but... modern undead okay. uh which uh remember he's the one who corrupts turlo and uh so we you've seen him and you will see him later this season but yes that is his, oh i certainly did guy. that because I, of course i wrote that one i play the corruption of turlo which yes. is like sort yeah of, well we've all know, yeah, based yeah on that it's, moment. it expands that powerful moment. it was powerful yeah so okay so they're looking, they're like, hey, go look. Why don't you just start on this planet? And then here's hey. a wand. <laughs> here's a wand. Uh, and, here's, a and wand. <laughs> here's a wand. Use this pointed around. Use a gift bag. There's some stuff in here that could be used. He basically gives them the equivalent of like a metal detector and sends them to a beach. He's like, yep. hey, here yep. you go. Point this around. You'll see find if you can it. find anything. Yeah. Anyway, or what we kind of walk into is a grift going on where this man we just mentioned, who's basically the star of the episode, Garen, um, who's a swindler, and he's on the planet pretending to be a real estate agent <laughs> yep. who sells planets. Yep. And he, his client is a kind of a evil warlord who I guess has is, is been exiled, but he's going around warlording wherever he can find the work. You know, yeah. he's looking for work. Yeah. yeah, I think he's got a little one-man, like sort of a little van full of, of soldiers, and he drives the around. The Graf Vindicke. Yeah. And yes. by the way, looks exactly like one of the Affleck family. He looks, could be Casey Affleck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and he's kind of this, he is a tyrant. He's, he's, a bit, he's, he's a bit mad, right? Mm-hmm. But he's also got some angles here. He thinks he's fooling the realtor right. into... Like, oh, the realtor, these people don't know what they've got on their hands with this planet yeah. because he sees this certain type of stone called Jethric, Jethric. Mm-hmm. which is yeah, apparently the most valued mineral in the galaxy. Is this held up? The Jethric comes back? Is it oh, used? no, never mentioned again. Never mentioned again. It sounded like <laughs> it's basically like, oh, the TARDIS needs Jethric to run or whatever. You know, yeah. that's... Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, it's the most valued mineral in the galaxy. Although, you know, to be there fair... There are a lot of galaxies. There are a lot of galaxies, yeah. so... Yeah. And what he doesn't know is that Garen and uh, is working uh, this little scam with uh, another guy, Unstaff, and they've placed the Jethric there. It is not found on this planet. That's just a bit of Jethric they have. 
and they're trying to get the sale. They also have no rights to this planet, so they yeah. can't sell yeah. it. They're yeah. trying to get the money. The doctor <laughs> kind of gets into all this, <laughs> and then in the middle of it, they're 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 searching for one another and trying to see what's going on. The graph is then starting to kill people. Oh, the graph has this like second in command. Sholak. Sholak. Yeah, something like that. And you, oh, sorry, they find the uh, the piece of the time key they're looking for is is it's it in the Jethric or is it, it in the, the, the vault? It's the it one book Jethric. Yeah. yeah. That's so that, yeah. that's why they are here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. They're kind of back and forth. There are a couple of nice scenes with Gar- Garen and Unstaff are fun and yeah. they're they're enjoyable. And it's it reminds me of an episode we had a few a few weeks ago where I like the trap. It seems like someone had a good time writing these characters. You mean like uh, Jago and Lightfoot, probably? Yes, 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 yes. Well, that's this is also by Robert Holmes, who wrote Jago and Lightfoot. So this is a, okay. Holmes yeah, is known it for these feels like acts. that. Yep. Because yep. It, it feels like the plot itself is not really at all that interesting it's it's a pretty simple thing there's some nice moments but really it's just like those two characters are fun okay and and but the and and then they're finding this key that which we don't know anything about there's not the the conflict in and of itself of like hey this guy is going to discover that he's being hoodwinked and then kind of fight back and then how can we trick him again I don't know. It's not that compelling to me, but you know, everyone's playing their part well and it's enjoyable enough to watch it. Just, uh, yeah, the plot didn't really grab me, but, uh, yeah, some good scenes and some good performances. Yeah. It's a, it's a, this is Robert Holmes and, um, yeah, the, the plot is, and not too much canine. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. It comes in in the middle. Sort of shows up in the middle. He shows up in the middle and like they try to have a whole scene. There's another like trying to do like <laughs> Abbott and Costello with Roman and K9. I'm like, please just move on from the scene as quickly as possible. No, yeah. come on. He's a star. K9. This is and this is so this is immediate. This immediately follows the invasion of time, which we just watched. So that's where Leela and the first K9 left. Uh, remember at the end of that, the doctor pushes the new box that says, there's going to be another K9. Uh, uh, so this is pick, picks up from that. This is the season premiere. Um, so Mary Tam as Romana one is replacing Louis Jameson as Leela. Yeah, this is Robert Holmes. Uh, and you know, again, no, um, uh, great that you see the parallel. This is a, so Holmes famed for his double acts. These two, you know, introducing two characters who bounce off of each other really well and are very interesting. And again, also a great example of Holmes's world building, right? He builds up Rebos into this, uh, you know, he's got it's ice time and the, you've got the north, then you've got references to that, and there's a crown jewels and there's a whole story there uh i think the con is cleverly constructed uh, uh right that it's they're you know they're pretending they can sell the planet uh, but obviously they don't have the real rights to sell the planet so how do you swindle them out of money okay you convince him that uh there's a you know something incredibly valuable there the jethric uh and then you you know try to basically let the graf think you are he's swindling garen right oh uh they have no idea that this valuable thing is there and then garen's like well you know i'm happy to sell it but we need a deposit uh of the money and puts the money in the thing they're gonna, they're gonna steal the money uh and and flee before the guy realizes being swindled um so yeah that, that's a it's a clever con i don't think it it's enough to hold up over four episodes but uh it's nice uh and again it's it is that sort of backstory world building you've got uh garen and stuff are great uh good performances uh great little scene uh that is generally praised among doctor who fans with binro the heretic the old the, the little yeah, old guy fine. uh and the nice little moment where he tells on stuff that uh you know actually i think the star i think the lights 
the sky are not ice, but actually stars uh, that we travel around them. Uh, and Unstav kind of touchingly says, oh, you're right. Uh, and, you know, that creates this nice motivation for why Binro helps. Uh, and you've got Paul Seed as the graph of Indicay. Paul Seed, actor, but then became a director and most famously directed the British House of Cards. Oh, wow. So he is the <laughs> at least the first two series of House of Cards. That is him. Um, gives everybody giving a very over-the-top performance in this. I mean, there's not a lot of subtlety. That bone bone woman who's the seeker who's running around, <laughs> she's like the psychic she's a is, lot. is going for it. But I think the, way the, over graph, the, the graph is a <clears throat> the right amount of unhinged. Like, he's yeah. supposed to be kind of unhinged and dangerous. Yeah, and he's a dangerous warlord, and he doesn't come across that way. Uh, one of the great comedy scenes with Tom Baker is uh, uh, at the beginning of the second episode where the, the Groff comes upon, you know, Tom Baker and uh, and the fourth doctor and Garen uh, and is, you know, yeah, he's going to kill the cringing cur or whatever. And at one point, the, the Graf like grabs his glove and slaps the doctor and Tom yeah. Baker just looks affronted and grabs the glove away and slaps him back. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's very, uh, this is a great, one of the great comedy moments uh, from Tom Baker. Um, and then, yes, we are, this is the key to time linking season. So we've watched two of the six now. So the stones of blood, the one with the, the ogre, the big stones in the circle, yep. well, that was one. And the androids of Tara, the one with the, the Android uh, duplicates and uh, count Rendell uh, and all that, that, those are uh, you know more searches a segment so this is this is the first time uh ever that there's been a linking arc to a season of doctor who um, at least in in the you know this is in the classic series this is the first i mean some occasional running stories with the master or something like that but this is an attempt to sort of tie the whole season together into this um big arc and so that's why you have that beginning scene with the white guardian and Can uh, I ask? So th- these are like you know the essentially the the infinity stones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this, but when they get them all at the end, does it lead to much, or is it just sort of like, well, yeah, now oh, we I, have all I these? Hate to ruin yeah. the Armageddon factor for you, but uh, yes, this is a huge anticlimax. <laughs> yeah, this is. A, but this is the problem when you introduce uh, characters like the White Guardian, who's basically a godlike character. I mean, you think about it, he stops the TARDIS in mid-flight and drags the Doctor out of it, and then right. he's able to basically, you know, the Doctor says, well, what if I don't want to go looking for this? And he says, well, nothing. And he says, oh, nothing? He says, yes, nothing, ever. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but then, you know, and, but then you get the Doctor being like, well, why don't you just get them since you're a god and it's like oh i can't be seen to act in this uh and it's like yeah and, and why is the key to time been created and scattered over everywhere so <laughs> nobody can find it exactly what's the reason for this and oh and this you know so you know as soon as you set up these omnipotent godlike characters then you have to explain why they can't just do everything themselves and, and you know it starts to it starts not to hold together very well but you know i think it, it it, which in some ways may be why it's a good idea to when you do the linking stories to not have them that tightly linked because it's like well even if the central linking idea is people aren't buying at least you still get some good stories out of them and so you know most of these you know the segment is is irrelevant or they, they arrive somewhere looking for the segment they get caught up in some other storyline uh and uh and you know they find it only at the last minute or at the end uh you know, and we'll see the different ways that the segment is uh, is hidden, but it's rarely it's rarely the central part of the story itself, right? It's just it's incidental to hey, we got to find this thing. That's why we're here, but uh, we got to deal with all this other stuff first.
Don't tell me it's not worth fighting for. <laughs> I can't help it. There's nothing I want more. You know it's true. Every theme I do, I do it for you. That's, of course, a song from Robin Hood. Yeah, Prince we should have done of- that a couple weeks ago. Prince of Thieves. Prince of Thieves. Oh, okay. Okay. We did Disney's Robin Hood for, yeah, the, right. for that oh, one. Yeah. So <laughs> that's right. Look, I have these all planned out. Believe me. <laughs> for for months I have these planned out. We Porter's are in a little in... studio with a piano and like a pencil, like being like, no, no. Like, no, no, that's not it. That's not good. Uh, we are adherents of the repeating themes here. No, not the mind probe. We'd like to revisit topics and ideas that are threaded throughout Doctor Who and all of human existence. <clears throat> John, just little things like yeah, that. Yeah. So, uh, John, what do we want to tackle in this episode? Let's let's talk about um, let's talk about heist heists and heist movies, and, and let's talk about the. I think really, um, you, you know, what could link um, these in some ways is the MacGuffin. Let's talk about the MacGuffin. Yeah. It's a search for a thing. The key to time is, a, is sort of a MacGuffin, and uh, and and you know whatever whatever the heck they were looking for in time heist. <laughs> it's a it's a literal it's a sleight of hand MacGuffin. Yeah. They just say we assume there's something in there something, that we yeah. want. Yeah, it's actually the laziest MacGuffin you can come up with, which is I you don't even have to come up with one. Just be like, yeah, there's probably something we want. Um, right. uh, do you want to do you want to regale the the people uh, with what a MacGuffin is? It's a Hitchcock came up with the term, right? Isn't it Hitchcock? Well, I just I only know of it of what of what I understand of it, but yeah, that it's a plot device to to give to give a goal to our protagonists and and to uh, as a driving force for the plot but the key is that it doesn't matter what it is it, it it's 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 actually unimportant so you don't spend a lot of time necessarily talking about it it's just in there to give us something to move forward toward but that's right. all i just know of it yeah it drives the plot so according to wikipedia which is obviously never wrong the term is originated by angus mcphail for film whoever the heck that is um but adopted by alfred hitchcock and later extended to a similar device in other films i think i in hitchcock certainly notorious for using the MacGuffin. uh I'm trying to think and often it ends up being uh, an object or an element that is endowed with mystery and power, but we just know, oh, it's very powerful. It, it, it's we can't talk a lot about it, but there's just it's a very powerful, wonderful thing. Right. Uh, another example for relatively modern day viewers is in Pulp Fiction. There's literally a briefcase that yep. they're all going around, and th- but they never show it. They just show them yeah, looking into it and being amazed. Yeah. And that's it. Like they, you know, the the letters of transit in Ca- Casablanca, uh, mm-hmm. right? What they were all looking for, uh, and amusingly, you know, that's a great example of one because, and this is often the case when the it doesn't make any sense. Why would letters signed by Charles de Gaulle get you out of Nazi Germany? <laughs> it doesn't I don't make know. any sense. <laughs> and the letters of transit would be useful for anyone uh, ever. Almost all of the Mission Impossible movies, right, are are chasing MacGuffins, uh, right? There's always some some thumb drive or some vital right. piece of information. Uh, you know, the, the latest one was a key or a piece of a key or something like that. that and, oh, if uh, they get that, then they can just unlock all the nuclear codes. Yeah, if they get right. that, they can, uh, you know, tap into everyone's, you know, information all over the world. And computers are great for the MacGuffins because, like you said, they can just put it all into a little device or a thumb yeah. drive. And it can mean whatever you want. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. And it, it it needs to be something that's or it helps when it's something that is beyond understanding. So you can say something like it's the nuclear secrets or it's the the quantum equation that solves the world because it's like 
you can't know that that's unknowable so you can just hand wave it away that like well that MacGuffin tells you that it just yeah. does that yeah no you don't know why or how so what do you think about the MacGuffin is it a, is, it's clearly a popular pop plot device and you know we just named a number of very good movies and or directors <laughs> right. right right so right. clearly it works um it's which is odd right it seems like it should be we should feel it's lazy it's like wait no don't just be like ah you want the the red ball <laughs> that's what's driving well, you but like well, i think why? in those movies yeah. i mean those movies are all like the the good ones we mentioned are all good examples of the mcguffin's just <clears> there to give you something to strive for but that the if that was all that was there if that was the only reason for the movie, then it wouldn't be a good movie. But in all those movies, we talk about all the characters and their motivations and their interactions with one another, and they have their own driving force to the movie. So I think the MacGuffin works because it doesn't overcomplicate the plot. And then so the plot doesn't get away, get in the way of the characters sort of right. having different motivations and interacting with each other, which is usually the more engaging and fun thing to watch. You're rarely, I mean, we... We said this at the beginning of some of the Doctor Who episodes where you'd be like, oh, well, this is a great complicated plot. And I'm like, OK, that's that's great. <laughs> I, I don't care about any of it unless there are characters in it that are that are compelling. So I think it must it must work in, in the way of letting the plot kind of go into autopilot mode for yeah. for a bit so that the, the characters can shine a bit more. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, heist movies, uh, Ocean's Eleven, right? No. I don't really want Ocean's Eleven to have an interesting, complex plot, and because I want right. to see Brad Pitt and George Clooney and Matt Damon and all those yeah, people doing interesting things, <laughs> hang I don't out, care and, why. Yeah. So yeah, it's supposed to, I guess, gives room, uh, it gives room for the characters, the actors, or, or whatever to shine, while still giving them, I guess, some urgency, right? Or yeah, again, some some yes. reason for moving, right. And and it gives like kind of a kinetic thing to it of like we we just need to keep moving forward and and usually the MacGuffin is explained near the beginning so you can just be like cool so we get why we're just we're motivated right. okay so why we, we're driving we're all motivated a, a right so we don't need to keep talking Rome, about that yeah, with Matt Damon <laughs> why he's driving through Rome very quickly uh, yeah let's just yeah let's just get on to the let's get on to the action of what they're doing and of course you know the idea of the quest is is an easy one right you have to get this thing is an easy one now does uh, doctor who do a lot of it oh yeah i think so i mean you know think about um or certainly the idea of the especially i think it works in episodic tv of the quest right like mm. you need to get like a look at uh, the keys of Marinus, uh, where you had to find the there was the the conscience of Marinus, right? You had to find the different keys, and so each episode was going to a different location and trying to find the individual keys and bring them back to the guy. Mm -hmm. You've got the five doctors, which is you know they're trying to get to the dark tower, and they're all separate uh, and different things. You know, not quite a MacGuffin, but I mean, yes, kind of. But um, the quest, right? This idea, and so I think it's great for episodic TV because it's like, all right, I got to get from point a to point b there's a lot of interesting ways to get there and you can do on these little side adventures and things like that you throw up these obstacles that get in your way of getting to the thing uh and you can stretch that for you know as long as you want so yeah i think i think they do a lot although that's a different motivation than what we were just talking about which is it's less about oh let's show off our characters and more about we have 25 minutes to fill uh <laughs> we need to get something <laughs> 
which you know i guess maybe sort of interesting is all right does time heist uh use the MacGuffin? i mean so we it gives we did say it was a chance for capaldi to shine we got to see a little bit of of him is it uh we didn't get to know any of the other characters really well it was too oh, fast wow. for them yeah so it didn't really show them off and, and, and clara, clara doesn't really yeah uh, she's kind of a non-entity uh in it so maybe maybe it doesn't work so great rebus operation what we did kind of say actually yeah we the plot really didn't we didn't care that much about but it was garen and unstoff are interesting and the graph was interesting uh and you see Binro like so maybe it works better uh uh there although is there a MacGuffin there i guess the i guess yes the jethric and the yeah uh, and the well yeah, and then the, the gold, keys themselves the pieces and then the key of the to time itself, yeah is yeah. obviously driving uh is driving people on to it uh or on with it so yeah maybe maybe it actually works better in uh rebos operation than uh than time heist i think it worked like again it works fine if then you have compelling characters around it that you're interested in yeah uh if you don't it's not like it solves that it's just sort of again it allows it to get out of the way so it's 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 not some sort of foolproof thing i think it's just a convenient way to make uh the character shine. It's a good point. Like you could, you could certainly see there are certainly movies that have totally uninteresting characters, but you're like, wow, what a great plot though. <laughs> really complex story. And what a clever puzzle uh, to work out. Uh, so yeah, I guess you could, it's like a lever you counterbalance on the other. John. Yeah. What's our MacGuffin? What's the MacGuffin of this show? Is it, is it, are we going for something? <laughs> did I, pr- I didn't promise you anything when we started. <laughs> No, well, the promise is that we talk through all the Doctor Who television stories. And then we get a trophy or something? And they're 300, and I, I haven't announced them to make. Mm. We're going to get to the 300, and that that is our goal of the podcast. That's our mm. MacGuffin, is to get to those 300, because number 301 is airing, I think, this week. So this is coming on the 21st and the yeah, 25th, so I believe. 25th is when the, the next one comes out, yeah. The star so I'm beast. committing... I'm going to just watch that. Whoa. I'm not going to watch Whoa. it for the podcast. Hmm. You've converted me. I'm a Doctor Who fan. Uh, David Tennant, I just, you know, he's on everything on the BBC. I can't avoid him. I've given myself over to him at this point. <laughs> so Makes sense. Uh, and, you know, this is going to be, I think, uh, a bit of a reset. Uh, the word the word on the street hmm. uh, and also on all the websites is that uh, Shuri Gatwa's season is going to be a new season one. Right. Of the Doctor Who Disney era, I guess. I don't know. Right. So we're going to have to... So now we've got Classic Who. New Who is going to have to be renamed to... Or maybe it will stay New Who and then it'll be New New Who. <laughs> or... Yeah, like 20... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, mid, middle Who and then Modern Who. I don't know. We're going to have to now, come up with a does new Russell naming convention. T. Davies have to start each new iteration of Who? Is that how it works now? So just like every yeah, 20 yeah. years, he Russell T. Back. Davies, like, they trot right. him out. <laughs> I mean, well, anyway, will Stephen Moffat where... come back after that? Yeah, who knows? That's true. Ooh, mm-hmm. that'd be fun. That That's the MacGuffin we're working toward is we're going to get to those 300, and then we're going to have a big... 300th episode or 150th episode celebration and uh we'll probably bring back uh mrs probe and uh, Ooh, mr yeah. probe will we will so let's let's you know let's let's live discuss format changes will we um uh will we talk about the 60th anniversary specials uh in our upcoming episodes are we gonna do- yeah why don't we just talk about them as they, as right. they happen. Right. now for you guys at home again breaking the magic 
there might be some that happen out of time because for example we won't talk about the 25th anniversary special on the next episode because we're actually going to record that before it happens yeah yeah. possibly immediately after this discussion (laughs) (laughs) but it will come it will get there folks it will get there yeah well but we'll talk about it so this is gonna Uh, be so when people ask for those of you who are hardcore pro roads paul when people ask hey i'm thinking of jumping in to mine because a lot i think you know water cooler discussions yeah. like hey i'm thinking about jumping into the probe you're like i really want to but like what do i yeah, so I you know. know so this is 91 92 is 91. by when we record 93 we will be talking about the 60th so you could say hey a great place to jump in is episode 93 <laughs> which is a classic <laughs> thing you know people say a lot right like, <laughs> it took about 92 episodes to really warm up uh, and then, and then it also finally got current. <laughs> well, look, uh, what we're going to do now is we've ranked 180 of these stories. We're going to now rank the ones we just talked about. And I will start. Uh, I, like I said, uh, enjoyed this uh, as like kind of a first Peter Capaldi one. So I think I ranked it high for that. I ranked this uh, number 38. Uh, this Ooh. felt similar to me to Let's Kill Hitler. Yes. I, I put it right around there. A similar deal where it was like really good idea. I enjoyed watching it. it wasn't perfect, but high on the list. I mean, it's mm-hmm. out of 180, I have it number 39. So I, I have it up there in the top quarter there uh, the 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 rebosh 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 <laughs> separation i have a little bit lower um i have kind of like middle of the pack for that one um i have it uh 111 i have it right next to the wheel in space and the colony in space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again it was fine hey only four episodes it always gets extra points for me when yep. it's only four episodes brevity is the uh, <laughs> soul of wit and probably could have even been a bit more brev <laughs> but but i did enjoy the performances so yeah in the in the middle mm-hmm. and uh not not as fun as like uh, a sarah jane and 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 tom baker episode but uh mm-hmm. you know romana is is she is what she is there she, she is, is. is yeah um yeah this one i've got uh um, we're uh pretty but close to actually the two of these together uh time i had at number 71 i think also around let's kill hitler and uh in that in that space uh light and fluffy uh not part of the running uh, storyline and strong performances from everyone i wish it was a little bit longer i think it would have been i think it could have actually benefited from under 10 minutes or a bit tightening up uh, uh somehow but liking uh, enjoying capaldi uh, it's funny because I, I do love peter capaldi um and uh i think he he certainly over time really grows on you. So, you know, I was coming into rewatching these, you know, already fan, uh, but now watching them in order again, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's, it's taking him a little time, but this is when I'm starting to see him come into, uh, you're starting to see him come into his own. So yeah, strong episode. And then Remo's operation surprised me. It's, it's, it's not one, you know, I come back to a lot. Uh, it's sort of, um, uh, it's not the most exciting episode, uh, a bit slow, you know, not a particularly, we didn't even talk about the, the glory. You're really is, selling it. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, we didn't even talk about the glory. This is a Shrivenzal, the, the giant rubber monster. <laughs> the guy is you know, the guy in the suit. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> he just shows up and they kind of cut away from it quick. Like, you know what? Just yeah. move on. But like, he's kind yeah. of a pivotal role at the end because he attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. uh, but yes, but I think uh, clever dialogue, cool characters uh, that I enjoyed. Um, and so, yeah, it came up, uh, it came up for me at number 84. Um, uh, so a similar spot um just because i think it was like oh this is actually a, a more solid uh solid story than than i expected well i'll put it in the old supercomputer here uh what we end up with is a uh, time heist at number 46 mm-hmm. uh, right next to power of the daleks and let's kill hitler mm-hmm. 
And the Rybosh operation. Rubois, the T. It's a Rubois. The Rubois operation. <laughs> Roy Bush operation uh, is 101, right next to the fires of Pompeii and Logopolis. All right, let's look at them on the Doctor Who magazine here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all right. So looking at our grand uh, tally. Uh, in the Capaldi years, uh, Time Heist comes in at number 20 out of 35. So roughly in, in the middle of the pack there. And for um, the Rebos operation, uh, comes up actually fairly high at number 20, also 20 uh, out of uh, 41 in the Tom Baker years. So right okay, around so in the middle of Tom Baker. Yeah, Hand of Fear, Faces of Evil uh, um, in that area. So, um, yeah, so middle of the pack for both. Was, and there are there are about 40 uh, Peter Capaldi stories? Uh, there are 35 Peter Capaldi and there are 41 Tom Bakers. You know what? I'm just thinking about Peter Capaldi in terms of like, you said coming into hitting a stride or, or whatever mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is the first one of the ones that I've seen where I he's an he's an he's an actor who's known to me. Yeah. So I'm not just sort of getting to know Matt Smith and I've never seen him in anything before. I'm like, well, I know Peter Capaldi. I've seen him in other things. And so I'm kind of watching like, oh, what will I get of him? Is this the same version as this of mm-hmm. him? Like there's baggage to it that like wasn't really there i didn't know david i know david ten has been in lots of things but i didn't know him until dr who so yeah, true like yeah, I didn't i'm just him. meeting him there and the same thing with christopher eccleson so interesting. that's interesting i feel like that's a bit of a bit of a deficit that peter capaldi has to work out of just because like you kind of know and you're gonna be like is he gonna be the thick of it guy or is yeah. it gonna be like what is you know what are we gonna see there's always been talk uh and and he did it for one comic relief special of rowan atkinson right would be a great uh doctor who and uh he's and he's actually in the uh he did a um i think you've seen it but the uh, comic relief thing that Stephen Moffat yeah. wrote uh and he plays it kind of straight uh i mean he's got some funny lines but he plays and and uh, and almost in a very revelatory, like, oh, yeah, he would actually have been pretty good. But talk about someone with baggage, right? I mean, like, can you imagine right. trying to get used to Rowan Atkinson and be like, is he going to be, is he going to be Blackadder? Is he going to be, I don't know how he could be Mr. Bean. <laughs> but he's got, you know, a, certainly a comic persona. Uh, to be like, oh, like even more to dig out of. It'd be interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> you know, well, look, you can see all our rankings do it. on mindprobe.com show and you can also go and see the watch order you can see what we're going to watch next happening. week you can uh email us porter at mindprobe.show john at mindprobe.show yeah. uh you can subscribe to us on youtube and on apple podcasts and on spotify and we'd love it if you left a review uh on apple podcasts or spotify or rating just from random words just kofefa uh just put just that kofefa. yeah that's fine whatever it takes and i think that's 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 all you need to do. Can you just do those five things? And then <laughs> do, is, it, is it so much to ask? It's way so. way easier for you than for us to actually try to promote this on some level. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would. It this would is help us. This is just two guys standing in front of a podcast audience, asking them to, to, to rate promote our and show subscribe. for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John, what do we have in store for next episode? All right. Uh, next episode. I forget. I'm totally blanking. No, uh, um, we go to the present day. We rock it to the present day. Uh, present I live day in the present Earth. day. Yeah, Wait, that's where that's me. we <laughs> are. You can finally relate. Whoa. 
We've got two stories set on contemporary Earth battling alien war machines or war machines of some sort. Uh, we've got Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman, and we've got uh, Danny Pink uh, really coming in hot. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you wanted, if you thought, hey, how do I get to know uh, Danny Pink? Uh, more well this is your episode uh the doctor uh takes on the role of the caretaker uh Mm. and uh yeah that is set in present day earth and uh and is battling an alien war machine uh and so i thought hmm i could pair that with an episode from the first doctor era called the war machines hey we have got william hartnell we've got dodo Sort of. Some interesting treatment of Dodo here. Uh, And uh, we have the first appearance of Ben and Polly joining as we sort of wrap up the first Doctor era. Uh, And uh, yeah, we have uh, them investigating the mysterious post post office tower in London in the war machines. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Post offices. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) That's a MacGuffin in a lot of stories is you have to find the post office. Oh yeah, that is that is difficult. Yeah. I, when especially when yeah. And you, if you have to find a post office that does a particular service, like does passport photos, but also doesn't do priority mail, but does have PO boxes. That was and the then, original plot of Vertigo. Uh, <laughs> and then Hitchcock was like, "Hey, wait, maybe, maybe an obsession with a woman." And they're like, "All right." Yeah. And it's called Forever Stamps. <laughs> <laughs> Mind probe nutshell. <laughs>